Welcome to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. This is a podcast that will make you want to get outdoors and will give you some great ideas as a sport parent, athlete, or coach. Born in the beautiful mountain town of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the Winter Sports Club was founded over a century ago and now serves a majority of kids in our community and has produced more Winter Olympians than any other club in North America. There are secrets and great stories to share as we play year-round in these mountains we call home. Our calling is to develop complete athletes on and off the mountain by cultivating a passion for the outdoors and a love of sports at all levels. Stay tuned to hear from Olympians, athletes of all ages, coaches, experts, and people who are doing amazing things to make an impact in our community and in their sport. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former professional triathlete who finally discovered the joys of skiing in my late 40s when I moved to Steamboat Springs with my family. We immediately discovered the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club, and it's become a huge part of our lives as my husband, Tim DeBoom, is a ski and bike coach, and my daughter, Wilder, has found happiness, friendship, and joy through skiing, jumping, riding, and more. I am thrilled to bring the positive energy of the Winter Sports Club to people all over the world. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. All right. Welcome back, friends. Today we have an awesome episode because we're going to talk to parents who've been there, done that. Laura and Kevin Sankey, you've got a few children who've gone through this program. Thank you for joining me today to share your experience as what I'm going to just call kids sport parents. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit about you two before we really dive into the meaty stuff. So let's start out by sharing your athletic backgrounds and how you discovered Steamboat and the Winter Sports Club and anything else you want to throw in there. Who's going to get it rolling? I guess that'd be me. I'm Kevin Sankey, and uh, I learned about Steamboat when I was a small child. I started coming here when I was... About six years old, knew the Warner family, actually used to sleep in Hazy Warner's garage as a small child. So I learned to ski on Mount Warner uh, and always felt like I had this love affair with Steamboat and knew that someday I really wanted to live here. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up down in the Front Range, down in the Denver area. So I was a suburban Denver kid, and I used to come up here and be skiing on the mountain, and I'd see kids, you know, coming in from the back country with their you know, tents on their backs and sleeping bags. And I thought, oh, what a great life it must be to live in a place like Steamboat and be able to live that kind of experience. And while I didn't get to do that as a kid, um, I always aspired to it and always was hoping that I could, you know, have that for my kids growing up. Gosh, I just love hearing about how people find magical places. And there aren't many six-year-olds who appreciate the things that you did. But I mean, geez, sleeping on the in the in the Werner's garage, that's pretty special. Not many people can probably claim that. Um, once you got here, you know, I don't know if we want to maybe transition over to Laura's story, or do you want to keep rolling and see how these things fold together? <laughs> well, I would say it took us a while to get here. Um 
uh, you know, like the Ampa Valley curse, knowing that you are doomed up forever, come back. I think, uh, unfortunately, and I'll let Laura speak to that, you know, she caught that same curse, but we knew we always wanted to be here. Um, and we, uh, had a home that started here in 1998, but we still lived in the front range. And so it took us until our forties to be able to come here and actually move here full time. So while our kids are now grown up and, uh, you know, grown out of the age of the club, um, we, they didn't actually move here until they were roughly 10 years old. Oh, and, but that's so perfect because they could actually truly remember this experience in their lives. That's so great. Well, Laura, why don't you share a little bit about your background? I grew up in Ohio and had parents who were not very outdoorsy. So there was no camping with uh, tents on our backs or skiing anywhere. Um, but I did participate in um, soccer and um, a bunch of different sports as a, as a kid. And then in high school, I played soccer and softball. Um, did not play at an elite D1 level when I went to college. So um, I was very much a rec athlete is how I would qualify myself uh, or classify myself throughout my career. So you were um, like of the Midwestern range of team and ball sports. Yes, that's a pretty good articulation. <laughs> so, you know, coming, how did, first of all, I guess, how did you guys meet then? How did you two come together to form the Sankey Empire? <laughs> uh, we met in college. Um, we both went to Dartmouth College and we were classmates there. Um, we knew each other kind of throughout college. I think we met in a psych one class. We were both psych majors. Uh, and then we both went to the same business school. Kevin went a year before I did. And so he was, as if you know Kevin, you know he is the social bring everyone together guy. And he was our orientation week leader for my class. And so we reconnected there and we're just friends. He was dating this awesome woman, Kate. And... You stole him right away from No, her. actually, that is, not, that is not the case. Uh, it was actually two friends from Dartmouth who got married uh, a couple of years after business school, and we were at their wedding, and we looked at each other and said, hey, we get along really well, and blind dates are not so much fun. How come we never dated? It was a classic bridesmaid groomsman wedding relationship. Oh, oh, okay. Awesome. That will be for another episode on another podcast. (laughs) But in the fun fact, Sankey family, our first kiss was at Logan Airport. Which is not why our daughter is named Logan, but it is a weird, eerie coincidence. Well, I mean, it could be. Maybe subconsciously, you were the psych majors. I'm listening to this and going, this could be dangerous. Like, in a lot of couples, you're very different, right? So, I think what I'm trying to get at is what I hear is that you've taken similar paths. You were psych majors, you did business school, you know, like the whole thing. But then you ended up coming together. And a lot of times in those cases, self-combustion can occur in, you know, couplehood, if that's what you call it. And uh, I wonder if as a parenting duo, do you have different dynamics? Like you mentioned Kevin's the social guy. He's bringing people together. Like, do you guys compliment each other in your parenting or do you often end up butting heads? 
No, I would say, yeah, we definitely have different dynamics, but one of the things that we always felt was important from very, very early on was to be on the same page when it came to parenting the kids. So we had an, an agreement that, you know, we would always have a united front. So it wouldn't be kids playing, you know, one parent off of the other. And so we were always very supportive of one another, even if we weren't always in direct alignment with one another. Okay, this is like, actually, I need to hear this right now, because I'm actually, you know, a married parent of one child, and she plays us like crazy. And I think like, we just don't have time to get together to make sure what the united front is. And she'll ask a question of one of us, the other one didn't hear, and they say no, and you know, move on to the next, and they say yes, and boom. So how do you be on the same page? Do you have these like meetings of the mind when the kids are asleep, and you're like, we got to talk about some things going going on or how do you do that? Yeah, we definitely don't have those kind of meetings. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think actually early on we let the kids know that it wasn't okay to do the switch because we would catch on eventually. Right. So if you went to mom and mom said no, and then you went to dad and dad said yes, eventually mom's going to realize that dad said yes. And it wasn't okay that you, did the end around on the parenting side. And so they, I I can't even remember them trying to do that. I think if they, we did give them an option that if they wanted to revisit a a decision we had made, they had the opportunity, but it was bring the other parent in and let's talk about it. Yes. Okay. I get it. So being on the same page is, I think it sounds like, if you can agree what the same page is, it makes parenting in general. So this is actually a parenting episode, not just how to get your kids through the winter sports club programming. Um, it makes all of those decisions just so much easier, huh? Yeah, I love it. Well, you know, let's let's move into the actual winter sports club, like being a sport parent concept here. You have three kids who have all participated in the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club, all three in different sports at different levels. Um, I would love to pick your brains about how you guided their athletic journeys with all these different options, which can be incredibly overwhelming, especially to new parents. So now that we know a little bit about you guys, um, let's learn a little more about your kids. Do you want to give us a little background on these three amazing young Sankeys? <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> uh, our oldest <clears throat> is Logan. Uh, Logan moved to Steamboat when she was in sixth grade. So when they moved here, they were sixth grade, fifth grade, and third grade. I would like to point out that before we even registered them for school, we registered them for the Winter Sports Club. Oh, I love that. Why? Like, had you, you knew about it? Yeah, we got married here in 94 and came up here about 100 days a year. Oh, before wow. we moved here. So oh, wow. we knew that we were very into Steamboat and we loved what the Winter Sports Club stood for. We loved how they were connecting kids in the community. So we knew a lot about the club uh, and thought it was going to be one of the coolest things that our kids could do. I mean, if you're in a place that has something like the Winter Sports Club, our philosophy was, well, you got to take advantage of it. 
Yeah. Oh, I agree. And when you'd be out on the mountain and you'd see that group of kids racing around, you know, in their winter sports club jackets, there'd be 10 of them, you know, zipping around with whoever their coach was. It just was inspiring. So we knew the minute we got here that we wanted to integrate our kids into that kind of an experience. Oh, I love that. And, you know, Kevin, like you said, when you were growing up, you had a taste of it. So it was like, all right, now I have the chance to actually immerse my kids in these sports that, you know, most people don't have a ton of access to. So we're all lucky to be here. Yeah. So when we introduced them to the club, really our intent was as a social aspect. I mean, we wanted them to be involved in athletics because we think that's an important thing as, you know, as kids to be outdoors and get exercise and be athletic. But really our entry into the winter sports club was truly for social reasons to let them integrate into the community. They were the new kids in the community. Um, it wasn't, you know, in search of athletic prowess or, you know, thinking they were going to become competitive winter athletes. In fact, we had no aspirations of that at all. And, look, and look what happened. <laughs> dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> yeah, the first programs that they enrolled in were really all mountain programs. I think what we now call AMP. Um, they were AMP programs. They were just uh, coach and, you know, eight or 10 different other youth in the community that would go out and ski mostly on the weekends with a coach and do, you know, they might go up to the chutes. They might one day be in a steamboat cup race that they had on the mountain, but it was not, they were not in competitive programs when they first started. Well, and what I'm hearing here is this is all about pure intentions. This is not about parents wanting their kids to be great so the parents can live out their athletic dreams they never accomplished, right? Because we do see and hear that a lot. And as parents of kids in sport, I think a lot of us are, we don't want to be that crazy parent, right? So you put your kids in these amazing programs and in the Winter Sports Club for the social aspect, for them to basically have fun, right? Make friends, do all the stuff. And it sounds like Logan, your oldest, started in, in the club at like age 12? Or was this, uh, did you do these on the weekends when you were coming up 100 days a year? <laughs> Before you nope, moved she here. was in sixth grade when we enrolled her in the club. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, well, let's uh, talk just a little bit about we know their ages and you know what they how old they were when they came here, but talk a little bit about Logan, Nolan, Colton, kind of what they did as they went through the program, so that we understand, uh, you know, where you guys are coming from here. Okay, so I'm going to give a quick rundown of what programs they were involved in, but it feels like this could be a whole nother segment uh -huh. <laughs> to it talk could. about what kids really do and get out of the club. So uh, I'm going to focus mostly on the club. I'll talk a little bit about some of the other stuff they did, but... Um, Logan's, they all started in a rec program. I will say when we first got the program guide for the Winter Sports Club, we were intimidated because it said a 12-year-old should have in tune their own skis. And we were like, oh my gosh, that <laughs> rec program, no racing, um, which is kind of funny because it is easier than you might think when you're reading that for your 10 and 12-year-old. Um, but they, we all started in rec programs. Um, the club at the time had this very cool option to pay a nominal additional fee to be able to participate in a second program. 
Awesome. And it was 2010 when we moved here and it was the Vancouver Olympics. And we had um, an awesome Nordic combined representation from the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club. And so all of our kids were kind of like, well, that's a pretty cool sport. Um, the boys opted into the Nordic combined program as their extra day. I think they chose a jumping day and Logan had some good friends from school that were um, Nordic skiers. And so she did a day of cross country, uh, which was also very challenging on the parent day because neither one of us are really very good cross country skiers, but we did participate in badly. I think Logan might say <laughs> in, in those events. Um, Wait, Parents' Day? We're supposed to like go out and compete with our They kids. had like a parent race. <laughs> it was like a parent-child race in the Nordic program. No pressure. Parents. And you just went around the ball fields. <laughs> and I will say it's Steamboat, right? So there are other parents who were Olympians. And oh, I am right. borrowing skis and fall as I put my skis on. But it's all in good fun. And, you know, you, you just got to go for it. I will say it's kind of fun for kids to beat their parents sometimes. So, you know, you probably did some it had some value here. For I, your I think kids. this one was a relay race with your parents. Oh, which was, which was really not the not, sorry. I was not the best partner. Um, okay. So anyway, Logan um, was a pretty competitive, very competitive Alpine racer. Um, oh, she let me go back. She, she, after the rec year, everyone chose a different discipline. And so they moved into something different and Logan chose, um, Alpine racing and kind of was this surprise racer. Nobody it's, it's funny that you start to see the kids who are at the top of their age group in races. And Logan went to Prater cup, which is the now U 14, yeah, right. U14 qualifier for their championships. And she won an event. And there were parents and families there saying, who, who is this kid? That is so, and she's now in seventh grade. Correct. Seventh or eighth, like somewhere in there. And all of a sudden she's got this like surprise skill set that, somehow just came out, seems like it came out of the blue, but she did do that fun year beforehand to give her that cool foundation and let her choose. But also, I actually think this is bringing up a point that a lot of parents struggle with, which is, why is my kid not very competitive? Or they don't like, and then a lot of parents, when you talk to them, go, well, it'll come. And you're like, really? My kid's son suddenly going to become competitive and want to do some racing? I wonder if you felt that with Logan or any of your kids like, oh, wow, there's this competitive drive that we didn't know was actually there and it's really just show showing its face right now. I think each one of them found their own way to that and in their own time frame. Um, we gave them the opportunity to participate in things, but their competitive levels all sort of came about at different times in different ways. Um, Logan probably was the first of those. You know, she had friends that were soccer players with her that had been ski racing for a while. And she looked at them and said, wow, I, I'd like to compete with these, you know, with these girls. I want to be at that level. And she was always a great, 
skier. I mean, one of the things that we prided ourselves on was they were great, great recreational skiers. They just had never competed in anything because we lived in Denver. Right. Um, so yeah, she was sort of came out of nowhere and people said, well, where did you guys used to race? And we said, uh, you know, we just raced each other on the mountain basically. Wow. That is so cool. You know, I think this interview may actually take the path of kind of guiding us through your kids' journeys. And that's where we're going to pull out some of these lessons. This is kind of cool. So maybe we continue talking a little bit about Logan, because it sounds like as she was introduced to the idea of competitive alpine racing, it just struck a chord. Did she love it? She loved, she, she is a very competitive person. Anyone who knows her will realize that, that she always strives to be the best that she can be at anything that she does. So um, I think it definitely fueled her and, you know, made her want to be competitive in it. Um, The interesting, probably the most interesting thing about her development, and just to flash forward a little bit, as Laura said, she was very successful as an alpine racer. But she was jumping one day a week because of this program that allowed you to, you know, do a secondary program. And so it was, I think when she was 15 years old, she came to us one day and said, so this year's junior nationals for ski jumping and Nordic combined are up in Alaska. And if I take a few days off of the race circuit and compete in a few jumping events, I might be able to go to the junior nationals. And wouldn't that be cool to get a trip to Alaska? And we said, well, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) So we, she talked to her Alpine coaches and said, you know, I'm going to take this weekend off or this day off. And so she did, and she was able to qualify and go up to the junior nationals in ski jumping. And she all of a sudden, this was the beginning of a transition that took her from actually being an alpine racer to, you know, competing and going full-time into the jumping program. Wow. What it's making me think about is she came to you. She was old enough, mature enough, maybe, and took the initiative to come to you to say, this sounds cool. I think I want to pursue this now. Um, Do you remember it that way completely? Or were there any seeds planted by you guys where you just kind of like, wow, we're just going to go with the flow here? We truly did let her come to us. And, And I think that would be if you wanted to talk about a parenting side of things is one of the most valuable things I think we realized and one of the things our kids have reinforced to us prior to this interview even was listen to your kids listen to them and actually hear what they're saying. Don't take your preconceived notions and, and think you automatically know what's best for them. Um, when Logan decided that she was actually going to change from being an Alpine ski racer, and we had invested a decent amount of time and money into her Alpine career. And now all of a sudden she said, you know what, I'm switching and I'm going to go into jumping full time. There was a moment that, you know, as a parent, you want to say, wait, hold on. What about all this that we've put into this? But she, you could tell that this was important to her and she really wanted to pursue this avenue. And it was really challenging for me to step back and say, you know, this is, this is what is 
big for her. This is what she wants to do. It's not about what I want or my aspirations for her. This is about her development and her growth. And so it was actually a big deal for us when she decided to make that move. Well, and it's interesting because you have two younger kids who are watching this and they're watching how this plays out. So, Well, it's truly funny because (laughs) the irony of that was that right about that same time, our youngest, Colton, who had been a ski jumping Nordic combined athlete, had chosen to one day a week join the Alpine racing program because he had been watching some of the things that his sister had been doing. And he thought, you know, I really like Alpine racing. I like to go fast. And so all of a sudden he said, you know what, I'd like to do more Alpine racing and less jumping. And so as Logan actually trans, you know, changed from being a Alpine racer into a ski jumper, Nordic combined athlete, our youngest went from being ski jumping in order combined and transitioned into becoming an Alpine racer. And it truly, they both found what they loved. As it turns out, Colton likes to go really, really fast and became a very good Alpine racer at, you know, at a high, high level, even competed in us nationals. Logan likes to fly. She likes to fly through the air. So they each knew, they each over the course of time and having the opportunities found something they loved and that really fueled their own desires. And now a quick break to hear from our show sponsor, Honey Stinger. Honey Stinger produces fuel for all levels of athletes using delicious honey and organic ingredients. Not only is honey rich in antioxidants, but it's also easily digested and absorbed quickly into the system to help you prepare, perform, and recover. Personally, if energy products don't taste great, I won't eat them, and I bet you agree with me. That's why I love everything Honey Stinger offers because their products are delicious. You don't even realize you're getting fueled because it just tastes like you're eating dessert. And I have never met someone who doesn't love dessert any time of day. Discover what the buzz is all about on HoneyStinger.com. Get this. Use this code SSWSC podcast for 20% off organic waffles, chews, gels, bars, and hydration to help you sweeten the burn. I'm going to repeat that for you because it's such a great deal. Get going over to HoneyStinger.com and use the code SSWSC podcast for 20% off. And now back to the show. I think that's one of the cool things about the club is it gives families and kids the opportunity to explore lots of different things and also push boundaries um, that are not something that you might have thought you could could do. And it's not just the physical boundaries, right? It's the social boundaries. It's um, it's it's becoming an adult, right? Learning some skills from adulting. I think one of the things that's kind of funny is, um, you know, we've, we're talking about the kids taking initiative. And I think that's something that we instilled in them from an early age to begin with. But I remember when Logan was in her first competitive Alpine meeting. So this is as a seventh grader, um, Deb Armstrong, who was her coach at the time, said in the very first meeting of the athletes in the fall, she said, you are responsible for all of your stuff. Don't come to me and say, oh, my parents didn't pack my skis or my I'm missing my gloves because my mom forgot to put them in my bag. That doesn't fly. You guys have to pack your own stuff and you're responsible for your own stuff. 
And Logan came home that night and she said, you don't pack my bags anymore. I'm doing everything. I'm responsible now. And we were like, okay, you're in seventh grade. So let's see how that goes. But she owned it from that day forward. I mean, I, ho- I wish they would do that in fifth grade because <laughs> <laughs> we forget something everywhere we go. And by we, I mean my daughter. Um, this is so great. You know, one of the issues that I think is coming up a little bit too is the idea of diversification with your kids in sport, at least when they're young. And then what happens and at what age do they specialize? And is it okay to allow them to specialize? Because we all know that when they specialize way too young, it can result in burnout, injury, you know, all kinds of things. Maybe not, but when they diversify young um, and let themselves naturally take that path to whatever actually clicks, it can often have better longer-term results. So what do you guys think? I mean, did your kids roughly around the same age start to specialize? Well, well, I'd first say your idea about diversification, we feel very strongly about. So growing up at a big school down in Denver, you had to do one thing and be very good at it. That was what my childhood was like. Even, you know, even when you look back 40 years, you were specializing at a very young age. And one of the reasons we wanted to live in a community like Steamboat was the ability that you could be a multi-sport athlete. Or you could do athletics and be in the band or be in the school play. And so we always encouraged our kids to do as many different unique things as they could. So they not only were they in the winter sports club, but all of them competed at the high school in different athletics. Um, the both boys were on the golf team. Both boys also played lacrosse for either some or all of their years. Uh, Logan was on the soccer team her entire four years in high school. And as I mentioned, was like in the school plays and things like that. So we highly encourage them to do that. But there is truly, like you said, a point when you start reaching higher and higher levels of accomplishment in sport where you do have to start trimming things. And and it came naturally. We let them make those decisions. And it really was – there were some challenges. Um, you know, both Logan and Colton in particular, you know, p- continued to try to play sports all the way through their careers. And juggling a high-level winter sport with a high school sport at the same time is not easy because your high school coach expects a lot from you, but you've got other constraints that are weighing upon you. So it did cause them to have to make some tough choices over time. Um, Yeah, and it is interesting because most high school sports are like those traditional Midwest ball sports. You know, you've got like basketball, volleyball, football, baseball, soccer. Well, soccer, yeah, soccer's a high school sport, um, of course. And uh, But skiing, ski jumping, Nordic combined, these are not high school team sports. These are... Except in Steamboat, they are. Except in Steamboat, (laughs) they are. So tell me about that. You know, so when two sports overlapped, were they able to really keep that up or did they really have to choose seasonally and narrow it down? It just, like you said, it was natural. One of the things that we talked about, and I actually, I've, I'm a coach, a high school lacrosse coach. 
um, and I talk with a lot of athletes about this as well, is that for a lot of the kids that are competing at high levels in winter sports here, they're competing at national and in some cases international levels. They are far better winter athletes than they are soccer players or lacrosse players or so forth. Um, so I always encourage them to, you know, pursue the thing that one gave them the most passion. And if they could keep themselves, keep a foot in the other side of the game, that was great. It was a great opportunity. So if you were a lacrosse player and you could only play two thirds of the season, you know, just be clear with your coach and say, Hey, my priority is ski racing or ski jumping or whatever. I'd really like to play, but you need to know here are the constraints that I'm working under. My, my season lasts until the end of March. I'm going to miss the first part of the season. I'd like to play. I'd like to be part of the team. I'd like to contribute, but know up front that these are the constraints going into it. Yes. Okay. I love that. You know, we've talked quite a bit about Logan and Colton. One thing I will note is that um, Logan actually is finishing college now, right? After narrowly missing the one single Olympic berth we had for Beijing last year in ski jumping. And uh, so she's already had probably a longer jumping career than most people, most women, I would say. Is that, would you say that's fairly accurate that, you know, by the time they're, they're in their early, early 20s, they're already moving on into college and that's it? Well, actually, we've had quite a number of U.S. women who have um, stayed with jumping for longer than that. Um, certainly, a lot of folks stop jumping, particularly women in the past have stopped jumping um, because Olymp uh, women's jumping was in the Olympics for the first time in 2014. So if you were looking to do something beyond just your high school career at the Winter Sports Club. Uh, actually, Logan's class had a lot of very talented Nordic combined girls move over to the cross country side because there was an opportunity for them to do NCAA Nordic, uh, where there was not really any path for them forward in jumping. Um, but Logan did sacrifice a fair amount of college time. So she was taking only one term a year for... Um, six years. <laughs> At one point, she was on the twelve-year plan, but she's she's now um, made made progress. One of the benefits of COVID was online education. Um, she's anyway, gonna get it done. Yeah, so she is gonna take the next year off of jumping so that she can take a full senior year and finish school. And you know, she's uh, twenty-four now, right? And you're still parenting her in a way, but would you say that it changes once they truly become adults? Like what your role as a sport parent is? You know, we've got a lot of people with six, seven, eight, ten year olds who are coming to Steamboat and trying to figure this out, but we also have people whose kids are on the flip side. Like, do I give this up forever? Like, how do I continue to do this thing I love and at what level? Uh, that's a tough question to answer. I guess the one thing I would say when you start looking at them at higher and higher levels is, um, and this is one of the things we actually talk with the kids about is the best thing you can do, first of all, is be present, you know, be there for what they're doing. That doesn't necessarily mean be in the thick of it, but be present and be supportive of them. 
you know, that's what they're really looking for. It doesn't mean they want you as a second coach. In fact, they don't want you as a second coach. They want to know you care. They want to know that you support them, but they don't, they know more about the sport than you do in most of these cases. And the best thing you can do is, you know, just be there for them at that point. Oh, this is so important because I think parents often try to coach their kids or don't even realize that they're coaching their kids. And kids don't want that from us. They do not. And often it's it's less successful, the things that you try to do. And it can, um, I think, hurt the relationship between the kid and their actual coach because they're trying to please their parents but not necessarily doing what their real coach wants them to do. So I just love that point so much. Um, you know, what about Nolan? We You got a middle child here. And we talked a lot about Logan and Colton, who sound like they're super high athletic performers. Where did Nolan fit into this? I am so glad you brought that up. Because a lot of the kids that go through the Winter Sports Club are never going to compete at the highest level. That's not necessarily what the club's about. It's a great aspect of the club that allows kids to compete at that level. But that's not necessarily what everybody is looking for, and that's not exactly what everybody can achieve either. Um, Nolan had a fantastic experience at the Winter Sports Club, and the impact on him has been very profound in what it has done for him. Um, He competed well he didn't change sports he stayed in the nordic combined program his entire time he was here and he was an athlete with the winter sports club all the way through his senior year of high school enjoyed it did he compete at those highest levels not necessarily but he went to a lot of those same events and i one of the things that funny stories that we used to laugh about was in his senior year, he truly embraced the fact that he had had this great experience. He got to be a ski jumper. And, you know, when he would talk to people about what he did and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, you're a ski jumper. And he said, you know, most kids don't get to have that experience. And so he went on his senior year retirement tour. <laughs> And, you know, you would think that he was like Tom Brady or John Elway or something like that as he was going to each of the venues for the last time and, you know, like living it as deeply and as, you know, fully as he possibly could. And he truly did in his senior year embrace it in that way. And it was fun to watch him, you know, put sort of a capstone on that part of his athletics. Um, that makes me emotional. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, you can almost, if you saw me over the radio right now, you'd see there's a little (laughs) tear welling up in my eye right now. Oh, I, but he's so mature. Like he realized that this was something he loved so much and appreciated, but the competitive side may not continue. Is that kind of like, yeah. Yeah, correct. And then, and then to top it off, the interesting thing is he goes off to college And he, all of a sudden, it's another Olympic year, and he's watching the Olympics, and he realizes, you know, biathlon is really cool. (laughs) And and we thought, okay, that's interesting that you think it's cool. First of all, he was not somebody who had done a lot of shooting with guns, you know, firing target practice or anything. And he honestly is not a lover of the Nordic cross-country side of things. 
but he found the discipline to be so fascinating that he gets to college and he basically walks into the outing club and says, do you have any, you know, opportunities for biathlon? And they said, well, you know, actually come to think of it, there used to be a program, but it went defunct. And he goes, well, I'd like to restart that. <gasps> so he I essentially refounded the biathlon club at Dartmouth College um, that had been dormant for like two decades in something just because he had found, you know, love and passion for these winter sports. And it's just sort of a, you know, a fascinating transition. Well, I will say he also became a leader and he became not afraid to speak his mind and listen to his heart. And maybe part of that is through the program. A larger part, I'm sure, is through your parenting. But um, I think those are skills that carry you through life a lot more than flying off ski jumps, which, you know, we don't have everywhere. You can't do every day. <laughs> um, wow, that is just so cool. Okay, can I just for the record, where where's Colton at college? Dartmouth? Uh, he's actually also at Dartmouth. <laughs> We've got the uh, trifecta here. Wow, that's really cool. Um, so as we kind of, I think we should do a little more of a speed round and ask some questions that I know parents um, are thinking about as they're hearing your voices. And you're going to have to go back in time for some of these to when they were in third, fifth, and sixth grade. So are you guys ready for this? Absolutely. All right, let's do this. Um what advice do you have for parents who know nothing about the sports their kids are trying? Okay. Sometimes it's really helpful because you don't do that coaching thing because you don't know anything about their sport. Um, but I would say um, get involved in as much as you can do. Uh, let them tell you about their day and their sport and actually listen to it. Uh, it was super helpful for me to be able to connect with older parents and even some of those athletes who were willing to talk to other little kids' parents um, and also watch the sport. So watch ski jumping or watch alpine racing with your kid and let them tell you about it. Like, oh, oh I love look that. what he's, what, how does, how did that work? Or why did he not make that gate? And let them educate talk a us bit more about him. Yeah, they educate us. I love that. Yes. And then this next comment is brought to you by Kevin Sankey <laughs> at the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club. Volunteer. Hey! Go to the events <laughs> and do something to support the actual event. Um, what you'll find is you will learn about the event. You'll have an experience other than just sitting at the bottom, like sitting on the bleachers and watching your kid participate. Do something. I started coming to Winter Sports Club and I became a gatekeeper or I was a hill marker on the hill. And I didn't have any background in any of these sports, but I got involved and I learned about the sports and I experienced some of the things that my kids were doing and it gave me a fuller experience myself. I then decided, oh, well, I want to learn a little bit more. And I became an Alpine official so that I learned how to be a start referee. I got to know all of the kids. I got to know all of my kids' friends. I got to watch them at races. You know, flash forward, what? Now I am actually the director of events for the Winter Sports Club. 
I love this. Not, not only can our kids make friends, we can make friends. And exactly. we can get gigs. We can get jobs through this. It's so much more rewarding when you play a part in the success of the event. You know, the, it takes a village. It does take a village. That's one of the wonderful things about the Winter Sports Club. But you have to be involved. And even if you know nothing about the sport, you don't have to. Everything that, you know, we're asked of our volunteers are so easy and it'll give you a much better understanding of what your kids are participating in. Well, this is perfect because it leads into another question that we get, which is how do you be an involved but not over involved parent? Yeah, I think it's a lot of what we've been talking about, which is, you know, be there, be present. Um, I, I think part of it is getting to know the coaches and maybe even some of the other parents that are participating with your kid, but, but early, right? Not, not, don't show up when you think there's an issue and start yelling at a coach. Cause there's a lot of stuff, you know, we, if you're an expert in a field, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, that most other people don't. And, um, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the winter sports club for hiring great coaches and giving them training. And, and those coaches are doing their best to balance a lot of different needs, uh, for a lot of different athletes. And so getting to know them and understanding their philosophy and asking them about, you know, what can, can we do as parents to help them coach our kids is I think an insightful question to ask them, but also listen to the answer because I think what they will respond with is insightful for us as well. Oh, I love that. I think more parents should ask that question of their coaches. And what is the question again? We're going to actually post this in the show notes. What can we as parents do to help you coach our athletes and develop them as much as possible? Oh, I love it. Okay, perfect. Um, I have another, it's kind of a two part question. The first part is, it's, have you ever had to bribe your kid to go to practice? But the second part really, or or the gist of it is how do you best motivate your kids? Well, I I say, fortunately, we have never had to bribe our kids to go to a competition. And I think partially is because we've let them drive the bus on that one. And they did it because they loved it and because it was fun. So we never had that experience. Um, Well, I think you hit it on fun. I mean, the truth is, if they're not having fun, especially when they're young, they're not going to want to go to practice. And then you're going to find yourself bribing them with gummy bears and who knows what. And eventually, they're either going to stop or it's going to click. But it's much more nice when it, it actually happens organically. And I think you hit on that. When it's fun and they're enjoying it, they're going to want to go. Boom. And we've always tried to do that with even when they were little kids, we always tried to make it fun. If you got to a certain day and the weather was miserable on the mountain and they were six years old, go home. There's no reason to make it a bad experience. If you always try to focus on the fun part of the activity, then they start to enjoy it and embrace it themselves. Although as a parent, I remember one of those Steamboat Cup races early on it was miserable. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm a new parent and I'm thinking there is no way that they are going to make these kids race. 
the, it's blowing sideways, it's freezing cold. And I remember Blair Seymour, who was there with her kids, was like, nope, we just put Vaseline on everyone's faces. They bundle up and they get ready to go. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess in in World Cup races, it's cold and they don't cancel the race. So you might as well learn young. And that was kind of insightful for me as a parent, which is, yeah, sometimes you just have to get on the horse and go. But how do you make it as fun as possible? Right. Hey, here's Vaseline for everyone. <laughs> That's true, because then and the Blair is great at that. And Blair is great. And we've all heard from Blair. Um, she was our very first official episode. We love her. And um, but I think part of it, too, is that it's a perception of what fun is. And uh, people who don't like cold and snow will probably never think that skiing or in any form is going to be fun for them. And here you took conditions that most people would run back to their cars in and you, you basically encouraged your kids to look at this as normal and fun. Um, I love these two questions. What did you do right and what did you do wrong? And I'm putting those in air quotes because right and wrong, you know, it's all subjective here. But <laughs> bring it on. Do you have any rights and wrongs to share with us? So we decided to go off the grid on this one. Not off the grid, but we actually asked our children. Oh, I love this. What did we do right and what did we do wrong? Okay, wait. That is amazing and speaks very very much to who you both are, because most of us don't like to get criticism, especially from our own children. <laughs> so very cool. I love that you did this. Bring it on. So so Nolan responded that he and we inspired him to love sports from a young age, not necessarily for their competitive aspects, just for their base virtues. He said, I love this kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're all crying now. <laughs> and he said, let Letting us share with you without being overly pressing, talking about practices or competitions without any pressure or expectations. Wow. That is so cool. All right, Nolan, you're an awesome kid. Okay. And then uh, Colton responded, um, you guys did a great job of being involved without doing anything for us. We were still responsible for doing things on our own accord. But, and because of that, my takeaway, because we also asked them what lesson, life lessons they learned, um, that um, he learned independence. Oh, cool. I love that. And, you know, I guess I would add to that just for people thinking about the club. I think the club does a fantastic job. This is the little PR segment of helping your kids develop that over time as they go from one age group to the next. I know it's a, it's a scary and strange transition for the parents. I remember when the kids went from U14 racing to U16 racing. And all of a sudden they said, okay, now we're traveling as a team. You're not staying with your parents anymore. And, you know, now it's on your own kind of thing. And as a parent, you start to freak out like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be staying in the same condo. I'm not going to be there to take care of my kid. The, the club does a very good job helping your kids grow through time and give them more and more independence over time and more and more responsibility. And I would say more than any organization I've ever seen, this club really, if you let the kids 
embrace their opportunities, really create their own level of confidence, responsibility, independence. And those are just three aspects that I'm thrilled that our children have. And a big part of that is being part of the Winter Sports Club. Ah, that couldn't be said better. I love that. Um, last, Last speed round question. What is something or many things you wish you and your kids had known when you first joined the club? So when we first joined the club, we didn't really understand this notion that they become more independent and that the club gives them more independence. And it's a little scary when you hear this, like we're going to be traveling as a team and, and it's, it's liberating because you don't have to drive to all those races and all these different places, but it also is a little unusual. And, and I will say as you, if, if you get further into the sport, like when Logan first went to Europe, they had no details, literally no details. Well, we're going to go sometime in, in March. Well, well, when, in we don't know yet. Well, where are you going to be staying? We don't know yet. And and you kind of have to learn that to, to trust the system, right? They, they travel to Europe all the time and they have ways to find pensions and hotels and um, bed and breakfasts to stay in. And it all is well orchestrated, but often last minute. And, and I think so trust the process. Um, I think the other thing that is helpful to know going in is that even though I give our coaches a lot of credit, not every coach is going to click with every kid. And again, getting to know that coach early, I think I say that, have said that earlier because it's one of my lessons, which is don't wait until there's an issue to start connecting with your coach. And, um, you know, our kids are all motivated slightly differently and, and each kid has their own or each athlete has their own thing that they spark to or are motivated by. And I think the more you can share that with a coach, but the more that a coach can understand that and do that. And if they're not capable of doing that, figuring out a way to navigate that, um, is, is helpful to think about before you're in the thick of it. I think that's a really good point, Laura. I mean, there have been a couple of times where I have had deeper conversations with coaches about our kids and what motivates them or how to actually get through to them. But I probably couldn't have had that conversation if I hadn't already built a little bit of a relationship and a trust level with the coach. If you just come in when there's a problem, then you've got the coach on the defensive. But if you've gotten to know them and they know who you are and they realize that you're both trying to accomplish the same thing, it makes a huge difference. Oh, I just, I appreciate that so much. Oh, this has been so great. Um, You know, we could probably do some follow-up episodes with you (laughs) and other parents. Um, We all have different perspectives on this, but uh, you two are just so incredible. Before I get to the very final question that we ask every guest who comes on this show, is there anything else that we miss that you think is just so important about being a kid sport parent that you must share? The Sankey Nuggets. I mean, actually, I've got about a thousand of them uh, written down in my notes. I can't even read them. You had a lot of nuggets today. Uh, 
I think the biggest thing for us is, I would say, is truly know your limits. And when I say know your limits, know your limits in terms of what your limits are as a family, what your kids' limits are, maybe what your financial limits are, and be open with those in a discussion with your, you know, with your spouse, with your children. Um, there are things you can't do everything. And if you recognize that up front, it makes a huge difference. I mean, there are times and just one funny story, you know, if you have financial constraints, I told our daughter at one point, you can have a new pair of slalom skis or a new phone. Which one's more important to you? Cause you're not going to get them both. What'd she pick? She picked the slalom skis. Oh, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Great. Great point. Great advice. All right. So the final question, um, and this is for you two, not for what your kids learned. We actually, um, we got some of this insight already from your kids. The question for you two is what is the greatest lesson you have learned through sport? For me, I would say how to be a good teammate. The world is all about relationships and it's all about achieving things that are beyond what I think you can do individually. And everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. And if you can work together with people, you can, you know, it's the one plus one equals three, not two. And so that for me is what it's all about is the, the teamwork, you know, all the championships, which are fleeting, don't mean that much. It's really more about that journey. So I love that. I think the relationship is that you have with yourself and others through sport is it's lifelong. So that's amazing. Thank you, Kevin. What about you, Laura? Uh, I had, I, I think it's maybe cliche, but I, I learned a lot about life through sport at a young age, right? It's not always easy. Uh, the amount of work that you put in reflects what you get out. Um, I, you know, I was a, a big soccer player and in high school I broke my foot um, and early in the season and it was so important to me that I be available for playoffs, that I really focused on everything I could do to heal. But I, I wasn't with my teammates. I wasn't with, you know, didn't, wasn't doing all the things that I were part of my life at that point. And so it kind of gave me this, sometimes you get thrown a curveball and you got to figure it out. Yes. Sport helps you figure out those curveballs. I love it. Um, I'm so grateful for you both. I'm so glad that you met each other. You, you created these three amazing kids and that you're a huge part of the Steamboat community. Thanks for coming on today and sharing your wisdom. Absolutely. And if you're newer to the club and you see people like us, we're the, we like to joke, we're the old parents. We're the people that people go, whose kids are those? Because <laughs> our kids are now gone. <laughs> Don't be afraid to come up and talk to us. The old parents can probably share some wisdom that you'll find helpful. And we will uh, have Laura and Kevin's photos in the show notes so you can beeline to them at your next event. All right, everybody, get outside and enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club show presented by Honey Stinger. 
Check out the club's winter and summer programs at sswsc.org. If you have a special topic or guest you want featured, we'd love to hear from you. Now get out there and support, lead, or be a champion on or off the mountain.